Mindset Podcast. We are your guide as you make your way through life, getting better 1% every day. We believe that life is lived and true victory won through adversity. Nothing easy is ever worth it. We believe in the warrior ethos and support those that choose to walk that path. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm pretty excited. I have Tony Blauer with me today. 40 plus years in the martial arts, self-defense, defensive tactics, combative industry. If you're serious about your martial arts, I know some of you are. I know some of you have never heard of some of the stuff we talk about in martial arts, but this man is somebody you should know. And uh, he has graciously agreed to be on the show today. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? <laughs> Good. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, I just found out, so I'm in South Carolina and I just found out you were just here like two weeks ago. I was down in Lexington. Mm -hmm. You were literally 10 miles from where I live. You're at Sorenex's uh, Summer Strong and I missed the goddamn tickets. Wow. <laughs> so how was that? It was amazing. It was amazing. It was, uh, <clears throat> I, I, ironically, I mean, there's a lot of things that I talk about after 40 years 40 years of teaching uh martial arts not 40 years of practicing 40 43 years teaching now there's so many different uh topics from personal defense to tactical fitness to uh multiple assailants to weapon disorders so, so many things that my company does scenario-based training mindset fear management verbal tactics yes but ironically the theme for Sornex was kind of what what your podcast is about, mm -hmm. and uh, and I talked about changing our relationship with fear, and I talked about uh, mindset and a program I developed uh, a few decades ago that we that we lovingly refer to as No Fear, but we spell it K N O W. I love that. That's the first line of my my notes here is not No Fear, but No Fear. Correct. K N O W. Yeah, it's, it's a huge reframe because. The, the danger with the N-O fear thing is it's more of like a, a hoorah, kamikaze, yell, mm -hmm. you know, uh, um, can I swear on your podcast? Absolutely. You know, you know <laughs> like, like, fuck this, come on, no fear. Let's, you know, it's like that type of, and that'll only get you so far. Right. Uh, the, the real fear that affects most humans is, is not when they're, surrounded by their squad or their tribe or their community you know it's not a rugby match it's not a it's not a gang fight it's not a wwe thing and you know we're not high-fiving the real fear that impacts good humans is is the movie in their mind when they're when they're alone with their thoughts and they're they're scared about you know it could be anything you know i'm a dad i got th uh, three kids i worry about my kids you know I've always worried about my kids. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're if you're a little bit on social media, you should be worried about the world right now. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and, and all of this stimuli impacts uh, at a noxious level, which is a fancy word for for it's subtle. It's it's behind the scenes. Uh, it affects us at a noxious level, and it and it it creates a a low level of of persistent stress that 
can in many cases create like a non-clinical anxiety like we just don't feel good we're at ease we're, we're ill at ease mm-hmm. so it's uh and this is all near and dear to my heart because you know i'm i'm um, 61 years old now and i've been a lifelong athlete and i was afraid of every single sport i was afraid of mm-hmm. uh, why should let me i was afraid of my performance in the sport i wasn't afraid of the sport so you know if i, if I was afraid of the sport I, I might take up like badminton and golf but i, gotcha. I meaning meaning the sport but i was in i was in combat sports I, so I you're was, afraid to fail at that sport yeah i was i was, a, right. I was a, and and it wasn't even just the failing thing so it's not like that it wasn't like imposter syndrome it mm. wasn't it wasn't it wasn't uh um self-sabotage and that's an interesting both of those concepts i i dispute and discuss when i like i do coaching and mentoring now and ironically all these years later i'm, I'm you know i brought my system into hospitals and i work with psychologists and and, and teach them our approach because it really really works because i figured it out through serendipity i figured it out through coaching scenario-based self-defense and mm-hmm. helping other good humans overcome their fear with respect to specifically defending himself and and in looking at the protocols and the 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 concepts that i created someone come to a course and i would teach them okay you need to be thinking about this in this scenario and then a year later they'd call me and go hey you know i'm using that cycle behavior fear management stuff on my kids uh (laughs) on your daughter at work at this and i'm like holy shit like i started just getting feedback outside of like the combatives and self-defense part but anyways off on a mini tangent there awesome but the um i was afraid to let my team down i was afraid to let my parents Mm. down i was afraid so it was like a weird thing and why i distinguish between that uh self-sabotage and uh um what was the other term i used uh uh, shit when uh imposter syndrome maybe yeah imposter syndrome is I believed I was good. I believed I was a good athlete. So I did not show up. And, and I, and I was competing in like, like whether it was tennis, gymnastics, uh, wrestling, uh, competitive skiing, snow skiing. I grew up in Canada. Wow. I skied a lot. Uh, like all of these things are aggressive, dynamic sports. In other words, you need to be a decent athlete even to just get in the mix. Mm-hmm. So, but it was weird. I, I, I always believed I could win. So it wasn't like imposter syndrome. I was like, yeah, I, I'm going, I'm, I'm in the race today. Man, maybe I'll win today, but I couldn't get the chatter out of my head. And the chatter was, uh, are you really this good? You know, <laughs> could you have done anything more? You know, what if you win? What if you lose? It was weird stuff and it bothered me. I mean, it really, it, it, so I have another, I got, th- I got four, interconnected companies now you know one is teaching the 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 practical tactical self-defense stuff right the other is the scenario side the high gear the scenario stuff Mm -hmm. for self-defense and then i've got um our no fear program where i do uh uh, coaching on this mindset program so it's an interesting thing how that that's become its own yeah entity now because what we realized is that mindset is everything that the mind navigates the body and, and it doesn't matter if you're public speaking or you're going to defend yourself 
if you can't control the chatter in your head, it's going to distract you. You know, I, I have, I've done martial arts a long time. I don't come close to how long you've been doing it. I've always trained self-defense as part of that, but you were one of the first people, probably the first people that I found on YouTube that made me think about my mindset, not while I was training, but what my mindset needs to be in the actual scenario before right. it, during it, and after it. Cool. I so observation. It, it, it changed, it changed the way I approach it and it changed, it changes the way that I teach my students. So you say you just came across that by just experience um, teaching experience, teaching. Yeah. I mean, it, like experience, if you think about that philosophically, you get a bad experiences and, and now you have, we have a maxim, be careful what you practice. You might get really good at the wrong thing. <laughs> I've heard you say that. Right? I love that. So, so, you know, someone can say, I've been doing this for 30 years. It doesn't mean they're any good. And it mm -hmm. means, you know, I had another one that I, that I wrote years ago that, you know, a bad idea followed by millions of people is still a bad idea. Right. Like, Very like sometimes we look at the combination of how many people like this and then how long has it been around as some sort of like badge that <laughs> suggests that that's that that's good. And that's that's actually not, you know, that's right. That's the way we've so, always done it. Yeah. Yep. So so me developing the, like this mindset program, which is all about adaptive courage. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? It means, you know, theoretically, we're all ready to go. I go, Gene, you're ready to fight? You go, yeah, let's go. And I go, this is your opponent. And you go, oh, that's not that bad. And then he stands up and you thought he was standing, but he was seated. And then you, realize, <laughs> you realize he's seven foot four and 300 pounds. And you're going, the second I change that, that image, anybody listening to this who, who has any integrity will go, yeah, fuck, I just got a fear spike, just thinking about that size. And then I go, and then you go, and he starts walking towards you, but he's like limping. Oh, you go, oh, go, good. He's, he's, oh. oh, he's, okay. Now you give yourself, now the the move in your mind starts to change a little bit. Hmm. And then as he gets closer, you notice he's got cauliflower ears. And you go, oh, fuck, you yeah. know, shit, this guy, this guy <laughs> does MMA. And then, then you suddenly go, Shit, you just visualize yourself getting suplexed and grounded and pounded. <laughs> and then, you know, he gets closer and uh, he's got a rugby shirt on. And you go, oh, the cauliflower ears are from rugby, not from MMA. Okay, I'm back in the fight. <laughs> and then as he gets a little bit closer, you notice, shit, is that an imprint of a gun under a shirt? Oh, fuck. He's got a gun. Like, and what I'm doing to you in the audience here is like, every time we get a new stimulus, it can take our brain somewhere else. And so those are in our program, we call that like, you know, the moving the mind and, and what you're visualizing can empower or detract from what you need to do next. And so there's an old expression called the mind navigates the body. Mm. And there's no such thing as muscle memory. A lot of people, and you probably did, I did for years, but you probably use the term muscle memory. I still do. Well, you can, after this podcast, possibly you'll stop using it. Okay. Why? Fix me. Because, because muscles don't have memory. Muscles ah. have neural patterns that are attached to your brain. So if you just had muscle memory, have you ever 
Have you ever driven home one night totally distracted in a positive or negative way about something in life? And then you pulled into your garage or your parking lot or the road and then commented to yourself, I don't even remember driving home. Yes. Right? Now right. everyone everyone's had that. Everyone's had that. Now, not just once or twice, or or if you've been driving for 10 years, you've done that a number of times where you go, I don't even remember turning here. I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> right. Remember. And I'm not talking about like driving drunk. I'm talking right. about right. So what happens is, have you ever uh, gone on a trip and rented a car and then went to go start the car, uh, the rental car, and your hand went to where your key is? Yep. Or where the right. shifter is, or wherever in your where other car. Shifter, yeah. Like so, that's not muscle memory. That's neural patterns mm. because because you don't you're not sitting on the toilet and try to start your car because you're you're like you knew you were in a car and you went right. to start your car. In other words, how I connect this to self-defense is that you need to know you're in a dangerous place around dangerous people and in danger for what we think is muscle memory to even kick in. But it's not going to kick in if there's no awareness. So I want people listening to this who might be inspired and checking out what we do to understand that our system is the, and I'll just say this out here, it's controversial, we're the only behaviorally based system in the world and have been for decades where we look at the physiology, mm -hmm. the, the overarching physics of everything, the physiology, the kinesiology, and the psychology, regardless of gender, regardless, uh, regardless of experience, and go, okay, what does the stimulus or stimuli do to us in in a holy shit moment mm. and when you introduce a fear spike your executive function where you have your control of your theoretical answers like gene what'd you do here well in that case here i would step to this angle here mm -hmm. and load this kick and blast him here and but when we look at and i was just talking about this this morning on one of our, our classes every I, I i teach live on zoom every week and uh, in the class, I was explaining that every martial arts system creates an unconscious bias mm. for what they're best known for. So you don't yeah. see like you don't see like a boxing demo of like like a mount with a rear strangle, and you don't see a jiu-jitsu demo with a jump back kick, and you don't see a taekwondo demo with a with with. Uh, you know, body shots. In other words, right. every art and system says, and it's not a bad thing, but I'm, what I'm talking about is the self-awareness required to go, wait a minute, is this my blind spot? Mm. Your blind spot is what compromises you in a violent encounter. Mm. I love that. And I, you've explained that before. I've seen it because in a real self-defense scenario, you're not like whenever you're you're like queuing up to spar someone, you're in that sort of agreed uh, zone yeah. where you're both going to spar. You're going to follow these rules. But in a real self-defense scenario that you're not going to follow those rules that you'd follow when you have gloves right. on and stuff. So this, this is this is the single greatest unintended consequence of the way we train. And I say we because I've been a martial artist my whole life. Mm hmm. People think when I talk about self-defense that I'm disparaging against martial arts, but I'm not, it, you know, right. It's, it's, it's like, if I say, listen, I'm going to grab my Glock on my bow and arrow in this fight, people are like, 
Oh, you don't like bows and arrows? No, I <laughs> yeah, right. I have a bow and arrow. Right. And I might use it in, in a situation or not and not my Glock, right? Like if I didn't want to make any noise, maybe I'd use an arrow. But that's neither here nor there. People people get very protective about their yeah. martial arts. And and it's and it's unfortunate. You gotta remember if you go back hundreds and hundreds of years and then thousands of years, it it was part of the martial religion to defeat somebody using your art. There was right. there was honor and integrity and 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 all of that back in the day. And somehow that's carried forward. In fact, I said this morning to my group, I said, listen, unless you've truly experienced real predatorial violence and the real fear associated with it, you will continue to accumulate like martial techniques like like you're collecting pokemon cards and <laughs> so, and again I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like a dick I, i'm i differentiate between our ability to protect ourselves and the the um the the science and artistry to master martial art and and the evidence of that is is when you look at real violence on CCTV, on i like iPhone cameras mm -hmm. of fights. You when and listen for those of you who don't know me before you, you know, hate me. Go <laughs> check out, go check out what I've been doing for uh, thirty almost thirty years, and that is exclusively not training martial artists, training law enforcement and military. And civilians. People who really fight, mm -hmm. right? Who, who fight people with guns and knives and, and, and mm -hmm. people who are trying to really hit them and sometimes kill them. Mm -hmm. So I have a different perspective on what a real violent encounter looks like and what goes down. And the people that keep our country and our, our streets safe not all of them. A lot of them need a lot more training, but you know that's what we do full time. They trust us. So again, before before you go, what's this guy saying? You know, fuck like, <laughs> Lauer, he's an asshole. Check out what I do because I'm only trying to make you safer and your students safer. And that is, we created uh, a, a system. It's called the BMF Ballistic Microfight. It's a scenario mm -hmm. approach. It integrates our high gear, which I spent five years designing. You know, uh, the yeah, high gear is badass. Yeah, thank you. Um, and we, I spent 13 years doing force on force scenarios, doing what was the equivalent of Fight Club before Fight Club was a movie. <laughs> We'd get together at least once a month and beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> And videotape it on VHS back right. in the 80s. And we did this for 13 years before I closed my school and began wow. training law enforcement. You know, most people like they go, most people celebrate when they've done martial arts for 10 years. Oh my right. God. Right. And again, I just, I, this isn't to rub this fact in anyone's face, but I want you to contemplate this. I didn't just do martial arts for 10 years and then go, yeah, I got my black belt and now I do this. Mm -hmm. I have been training in some sort of force on force since 1967. When I was seven, wow. I started wrestling. 
Wow. When I was 13, I started martial arts. When I was 15 and a half, 16, I started boxing. In 1977, I had my first student, and it wasn't like wow. like a transactional. It was like a guy that I worked out with because wow. I was living in a remote area, a rural area with my dad, and and there was nobody to uh, to work out with. So I recruited him. He was a, a friend hmm. of of, of uh, a buddy of my dad's, and we just fucking just wail <laughs> on each other, right? He was just like a tough country kid. <laughs> you know, his, he had no neck, his neck his shoulders and uh, and then in 1979 1980 I started teaching and I taught I've been teaching since 1980 wow I've never never really stopped um but but I was always self-defense that's another thing I really, like I didn't do I wasn't doing like judo for two years and then taekwondo for four years and from 1977 on, all I did is study violence, fear, and aggression, and wow. intuitively put this put this system together. Uh, and it and it and it really is part of my mission of just uh, trying to make good humans safer. You know, I have a uh, I don't have any VHS tapes, but I have a DVD series of you and Scott Puckett. Um, doing the spear system, and I believe one of them is just the hand, you know, hand spear system. One's uh, spear against the knife or the gun or something, um, and that changed me. And I, I think what you're talking about. Well, that's the uh, that's the recent. That's the uh, um, that's that one volume. That yes, yeah, spear right. versus knife gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very uh, cool. I forget the com the company in South Carolina. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Panteo, I think. Oh, Panteo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I just looked that up because I was trying to trying to order another one. Um, but I think what you did for me is is you made me very uncomfortable, and I think that's what people are responding to because we we take you know we train 10, 15 years in our system, whatever we're doing, karate, taekwondo, whatever you know, krav maga, whatever, and then you make us you come along and you make us feel uncomfortable. Because you expose our blind spots and our weaknesses because we haven't thought about those I gotta, things. I got to interrupt you here and commend you for saying that out loud. Because that's good self-awareness, man. It's, well, thank you. <laughs> that's, no, that's cool. Listen. That's what our website's about. But, it, but it, if, if, you, if you can't, if you don't acknowledge the crack in the foundation, eventually the damage one day is is irreparable and and now you're fucked mm -hmm. and you know in the foundation in your house maybe you could have fixed it early but now it's like shit we got to tear down the whole house and dig mm. this whole thing up that's right but you have uh, you have a saying you don't need to be a black belt to defend yourself yeah uh, that made me think about so i, I know you you know you're uh because you're working with people working to manage their fear, you're exploring the fear. How much of that, though, I, I'm curious, is working on their ego? I don't, I don't work on anyone's ego on purpose. Mm -hmm. the, the, the pejorative ego, it's a fancy word for negative ego. Mm. The pejorative ego is, it's like the asshole that tries to cut in line, right? The right. majority of the ego is cutting in line, right? You're there, you're there in my class, and I go, Gene, put your hands like this. And then you go, 
you know, your pejorative ego doesn't do the lesson. Your pejorative ego is, why does he do that? We do it like this. Mm. I would just hit him here. You know, uh, this is shit. My instructor is better. Who would win in a fight? You or Bruce Lee? Like, right, you know, right. The pejorative ego is just like doing all this chatter shit. Um, and, um, and it's pointless. Yeah. But, but only self-awareness allows for critical thinking. If you don't have good self-awareness, you do not have good critical thinking. That's what's wrong with our world right now, particularly America. Right. But right. there's no critical thinking left because people don't <laughs> right. have self-awareness. Right. Um, for those of you, if most of your audience are are people interested in self-defense and martial arts, I, I know, I know, you know, uh, it, it, there there may be a bunch of listeners who don't care about self-defense. They're here for the mindset stuff. Mm-hmm. And this holds true there as well. You know, if I say to you, hey, you know, like every Friday night you you go to this bar and you drink too much and then you you you're in a bad mood and some bad shit happens. And, you know, do you think you, you think maybe you, you're bare, you're hiding some shit and some alcohol here? <laughs> you're fucking talking about mind your own business. Fuck you. Like, right. Like no self-awareness. Right. Right. You know, you know, if you come home and every time, every time you go driving, you come in and you slam the door in the house, you go, everyone's a shitty driver. And that happens every day. It begs the question going like, like everyone's a shitty driver or you're not maybe driving too fast or you don't like dealing with road rage or you're, you're <laughs> like, like, why is everyone a shitty driver and you're the best right. driver? Right. Um, and listen, there's lots of shitty drivers. I'm not, I'm not, right. I'm not Mr. I'm not, I'm using this more as a metaphor that, that, you know, I notice when I'm in the car going, what a bunch of shitty drivers that if I, and this is again, the self-awareness, I realize that I left a little late and now I'm in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And my unconscious self is worrying about being late for a meeting or missing a flight or late for dinner or late for a movie. Absolutely. And and now, but you can't, you never figure that out. You're just tailgating somebody and honking. Right. And again, I'm using this as a metaphor, gang. Whoever's listening to this <laughs> is it's, it's that self-awareness going, wait a minute. Cause think about a day that you had a great night's sleep and you, you, whatever your ritual is, you, you knew what you're going to do the next day and you got up on time. You did your workout, you had a good meal. Things are going good. You had two quick meetings. You answered an email. Things are going good. And then you got in the car to go somewhere and there's traffic and you're like, oh, there's yeah. traffic. Who gives a shit? Okay. Right. Right. Where you go, oh, let me, what are the alternate routes? But you're not like on the horn going, come on, man. Right. Right. So this is you know, when I'm teaching physical self-defense, we talk about pre-contact cues mm-hmm. and that if you miss these, it, it, it changes the amount of pressure that's placed on you. You know, when, when, when most martial arts focus on how do you get out of a headlock? How do you get out of a choke? What do you do if somebody's punching you? I'm like, I call that the Star Trek model of self-defense. And I refer to it as the Star Trek model of self-defense. Meaning, like, how did the guy get there? Did he beam down? Because this is a Star <laughs> Trek episode. Like, how did you get in a headlock? Like, how did you not notice anything else before that? And... We need to apply that. Does that make sense? Like it does. So I was we, watching you. Um, you were you. It was Sean with the uh, fight tips. 
you were teaching him like how to get out of a headlock and you were demonstrating how like, you know, most in, oh, in, out, in my system, it's the same way. Here, yeah. let's start with a headlock and you put your head in somebody's arm. Right. And that's, and so there's Shame. another example. Yeah. There's another example of um, muscle memory versus neural pattern. Um, mm. If you, if you think back to that, that, that video with Shane, um, if I put my head down on his stomach, he automatically, Oh yeah. On, right. So he was waiting for me to put my head down there. And if I say, Hey, let me show you the counter. He puts his head down there and our brain develops these neural patterns. We're conditioning right. the neurons to move a certain way. Well, if that's the way the brain learns and that's why, like I wrote something the other day on my Instagram feed where, you know, how violence meets neuroscience. Hmm. That's what we're doing. We're, we're looking at violence and then we're looking at neuroscience and what's the best way to learn? What is your, how does your mind? So, you know, you, you what some fancy new people are, are calling it the amygdala hijack. And it's just a big fancy word for, for what I've been talking about since the eighties when I developed this, when I developed the spear system. And for those of you who don't know what spear is, it's an acronym for spontaneous protection, enabling accelerated response. And it's really about the study of the startle flinch that, um, is a reactive brain response that bypasses the cognitive brain. So in a, in a high stressed situation, particularly a dangerous one, amplified by a violent one, because you can flinch if somebody yells, look out, you right. know, and you, you know, you're on a golf course and someone goes four, look out, you know, your hands will go up. You don't want to get hit by a ball in the head. So, but that's, you know, metaphysically that would be violent, but it's not a violent situation that also impacts our our survival sense and our and, and so we built this very holistic approach and so somebody like your, yourself not knowing what your background you know you study martial arts for 10 20 years 30 years you got really good at the complex motor skill mm -hmm. so think about this is like you got a very full toolbox and your toolbox is is complete let's say and i'm looking at you and i go Gene, let me, let me, let's see, build something. And you go, what do you mean? I go, well, you got a toolbox. Let's go build something. And you go, no, I just fix things. Yep. Oh. In other words, there's in our, in our course. And, you know, as much as I'd love to do a whole course now, we don't have time to, but, <laughs> but we, we talk about something called the timeline of violence and right. understanding understanding the scope of it from detect to diffuse to defend and all of the nuances that build up to it. And so like, like an architect understands a blueprint for the house they're building, but the, the handyman doesn't, the handyman comes in after the house is built right. and you go, Hey, you know, uh, this door isn't, working and they go, oh, I'll, I'll fix that. But if I called the handyman up and I said, Hey, we want to build here. I'd like an extension to the house. He's like going to go, yeah, that's, that's yeah. outside my wheelhouse, man. I, right. I fix things. I fix the door. Right. Yeah. So to me, a martial artist who doesn't study the, the psychology of fear, the neuroscience of fear that doesn't study violent encounters and how they start, that doesn't study 
what we refer to as that timeline mm -hmm. of violence. Uh, it, they're like the handyman. Mm -hmm. They they can't they can't they don't see the big picture. If that metaphor makes sense. So I want to dig into that a little bit. Um, it was uh, one of my I've practiced karate karate like traditional whatever yeah. for about ten years now. I've done some jujitsu, just a little background. But one of uh, one of my black belt exams. Um, you know, I've been doing my thing, and this older gentleman in his seventies. He's been you know he's been he's been teaching like he's been teaching people longer than I've been alive. Right. He said, Oh, that looked cool. What you just did. Uh, and he did the same, same something similar to what you're saying. He's like, now just, just kind of freelance it and show me some shit. And I was like, what are you talking about? Right. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So here's this gentleman. He's been doing this forever. And I know he got that from somewhere like, you know, back in his day, that's what they did. And we have all this time and then my time practicing and my test. And I don't know any of that stuff. You know, I didn't pick it up. Where do we lose that, what you're talking about in martial arts? Do you think we've lost that? Do you think it was never there? You think this guy's just a savant or something? But like, I feel like we've lost something over the years. Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, I, I I hate to generalize, but so I think I think it depends on your your lineage. Like, mm. you know, if you ask, you know, I, so I, I said earlier, I've been teaching since 1977. Mm -hmm. um, I'll I'll get random emails, messages on Facebook, people that that I trained in the 80s, mm. reaching out, going. I got, a, I got a message from a, a a kid that I taught when he was 14, 15, 16. He's now an emergency room doctor. And he messaged me about how some stuff happened during COVID that put him in a kind of a funk mindset. Mm -hmm. And how he remembered things from our classes that helped him kind of like mentally navigate through this, this internal confrontation. And just, I had, like, I hadn't heard him from him in decades mm -hmm. and uh, just thanking me for the, the impact that has had. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not here to pat myself on the shoulder, no. but I'm, what I'm talking about to answer your question is I really think it depends on, on, the, the the lineage of mm -hmm. stuff uh you know and and some systems are you know there's here's the handwritten note and then there's a copy of it and then someone makes a xerox, <laughs> of, that, mm -hmm. a xerox of that and then you know someone mm -hmm. and, and, and and accidents happen like someone with bad eyes right. blows it up right like, i can't see this they blow it up and they don't realize because they were rushing that they they blew it up too much and it's now missing three sentences right. and someone makes a copy of that. And then it's like, no one ever showed me that. So there's that, that happens in life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and then, and then there's, you know, individual lineage. And then there's some stuff like you could look at, there's a ton of really good martial arts schools that don't teach anything about the, uh, like the tenets of, of martial arts, of, of right. integrity and honor and truth. Right. You don't get that in maybe 95% or 99% mm -hmm. of 
MMA schools. And is that a knock? No, because like MMA's become right. it's a, a sport. A sport where now there are some MMA coaches that became really good coaches mm. that but they came from that budo or that martial background or whatever right. and 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 they still infuse their gym with that those codes mm -hmm. if you will so i like i think i think it's it's kind of like yeah. it's 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 i don't ever think it's intentional i don't think i right. don't think you go yeah we're too busy to include integrity <laughs> right and, and honor so let's just let's skip to the chase and go to stomp the groin right 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 shut at the master can so. <laughs> uh um all right so i want to i want to shift gears a little bit um and you you've created uh, a whole series for crossfit and honestly that's where i that's where i first came across you a lot of the crossfit videos and stuff like that how did that come about for you yeah uh, that was incredibly controversial um and there's an article you should read. Just do a Google search, Tony Blauer, um, CrossFit Defense versus MMA and BJJ. Oh, I, wrote yeah. this, I wrote this thing, you know. So um, I've been involved. I was really good friends with Greg Glassman. Okay. And, uh, uh, or I became, obviously, I became good friends with him in, in 2005. And, uh, and I, I really liked the CrossFit philosophy. Like some of Greg's language was more elegant than, than the same stuff that I would say. For example, he'd say uh, uh, um, to be prepared for the unknown and the unknowable. Yeah, I love and, that about CrossFit. Right? And, and, uh, and he was referring to like the life or death challenge that – stamina endurance and strength might have mm -hmm. on, on on a cop on a soldier on a firefighter on on, on a mom or dad hmm. and i'd have language like uh uh at the um you, you know he'd, he'd say to be prepared for the unknown and the unknowable and i had stuff like um that you can't have your favorite move your favorite move might trigger their best their mm -hmm. best there were like things that were like eerily parallel he was again more eloquent and more elegant in the way he, he spoke <laughs> and phrased it. But there are things where I went, "Wow, this is this is this," mm -hmm. you know, uh, like similar stuff. So when we finally met, we hit it off, and uh, and it was a natural thing that the and most of the, most of his students back in the early days were uh, mm -hmm. cops, military, firefighters. Right. Right. So they, they, people had heard about me from my combatives defensive tactics side. So it was a natural kind of like marrying of ideas. And we, we did a few things together. And then when they started expanding, having the specialty courses, they asked me to put something together. That's cool. So, so, uh, so I, I, I did that. And what was controversial about it is like all the CrossFit haters, when they saw CrossFit self-defense or CrossFit defense, they immediately just assumed CrossFit was trying to take over more of the market. <laughs> yeah, and what yeah. the fuck do they know right. about self-defense? They never bothered to, again, no awareness, no critical thinking of like, like, what is this course? Oh, this is a course put together by right. a guy who's been studying violence, fear, and aggression for decades. 
I understood CrossFit. I, I did, I did cry. I also looked at, you know, back then, this is before the CrossFit games. Um, you know, most, most of the hellacious workouts were short and intense. And I would look at that as, and go, wow, that's just like a fight. So doing, doing CrossFit workouts would, uh, enhance your survivability yeah. because they're anaerobic, they're, they're more mental battles. And, and I thought that resonated a lot with, yeah, some, there's literally one called fight gone bad. Right. I mean, yeah. And that was inspired by uh, Greg hanging out with BJ Penn. That's awesome. Well, again, I don't want to, um, if you don't want to answer it, that's fine. But it's the question about resiliency. And um, yeah. I mean, you're a lifelong martial artist, so resiliency is in your blood. But every time there's a video from one of those CrossFit things, you have to deal with a bunch of blowback. I don't want to call it blowback. It's not even blowback. It's just like misunderstanding. How do you get up to, to con confront that every time? Or do you just say, fuck it and keep doing what you're doing? You're talking about the haters online? Yeah. I mean, everybody's going to have that, but it seems like there's always misunderstandings whenever one of those comes out. And last question for you is you're talking about specifically the, the self-defense stuff or anything? Yes. Yeah. The yeah. CrossFit self-defense stuff. Well, uh, you know, and I'm always one of the ones that jumps in and I'm like, you leave him alone. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I appreciate you backing me. <laughs> Listen, uh, that hasn't happened in a while. Right. Uh, uh, a long while. It was during 2012 to 14. It was like nonstop. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> listen, you just don't it, care. It, it, no, I, I do care. And it's like, I don't understand people who go, fuck your haters. No, like I'm a human being. I care. Right. I, I, yeah. I think, I think part of like, for me, the thing that bothered me most was I really abhor violence and which is why I created a holistic mm. approach to self-defense. I really want to make people safer. So I'm more invested in your safety than you might be. And, and, and I mean that as a generic statement that very often I'm like, I don't think care as much as me, like I'm talking about people in the class, you know? Yeah. And, and so what bothered me the most about the attacks online, and there's several levels here, is one is I have developed a, so we have a course that I've been teaching for decades called Be Your Own Bodyguard. It's a one-day course. And it's amazing. And it's saved lives. It's helped people avoid violent encounters. It's a one-day course. Think about that. Yeah. If, if you were... 10 years ago, Gene, if you're about to, like you were trying to figure out, okay, what, what should I do? What should I do? And then you saw some guy you'd never heard of offering a one-day self-defense course or some black belt school going, hey, get your black belt in 10 years. And yeah. You would sign up, you, the generic person, would sign up for the black belt path. Why? Because... It's, it's counterintuitive to think you can do something in a day. Hmm. So Interesting. So, like, I've got people that have been training with me for decades, and I also have people that train with me for one day. The, the one-day course is like an MRE, right? <laughs> right? 
right? So listen, if if you're going to die because you can't eat, you don't need a fucking 10-course French meal. Right. You need an MRE. I need some energy in my body to get through here. And if I survive this, I'll go to a nice restaurant. Right. Getting your black belt is like the nice French restaurant. Mm-hmm. You've got all these little dishes, all these little movements, all these little transitions. All get, and and you're maybe you're learning how to cook and you're, you know, like there's a ritual. There's a whole. When I created the Beer and Bodyguard course, it was me recognizing and, and I didn't do it like I didn't start teaching in 1977 and then in 1978 go, oh, the Beer and Bodyguard course. This right. is after decades. And I and I, I wrote this article that I told you to, to check out after uh CrossFit Defense versus MMA, BJJ, whatever. You we'll go, make sure and link that up. You'll 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 find one on the CrossFit uh message board and one in my Facebook notes. Um because what I did is I said, listen, how long would it take? This is the metaphor I gave. How long would it take? me to teach you how to use a fire extinguisher hmm. what do you think now before you answer this is a fire extinguisher mm-hmm. here's a handle you squeeze it you can't squeeze it unless you pull this pin out grab the hose squeeze mm-hmm. it and some chemicals spray out there yep. so let's let's go over that here's your <laughs> fire extinguisher grab the handle finger in the ring pull that out grab the hose squeeze yep let's do it one more time <laughs> How many reps before you go? I got it. Yeah, but two, two. Yeah, three. If you wear glasses and right. fell during one of the right, <laughs> right. Now, if I said to you, "Hey, I went to Walmart and I bought a bunch of like cheap disposable uh, um, fire extinguishers," we're gonna do some scenarios. I'm gonna pretend there's a fire in your house, and I want you to run in there and pretend to spray it mm-hmm. and then we'll do somewhere ones in the kids room and ones in the basement and then i'm going to show you where most fires commonly start because of poor like and where to put your fire extinguisher you see this christmas tree here you see this like this is like like a a power strip from 1930 <laughs> you see the wires are all frayed and it's like yeah that's a hazard and look where this person put their fire extinguisher they put it like under this blanket right. beside the, the 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 socket. So that's the place that's gonna catch a fire. You want your fire extinguisher closer to you mm-hmm. and further from where the fire. How many reps do we need to do before you go, I got a fire extinguisher here. Check your electrical shit over here. Mm-hmm. You know, watch this shit in the kitchen. Got it. Okay. So can I put my fire extinguisher inside the oven? No, no. That's right. like don't put it there. Like in 30 minutes or you go are you good you are pretty good you might say could we do like one full-on scenario where actually put out as fire okay do you want me to set the fire in your house or do you want to do it like in a controlled environment like in your backyard Hmm. here or yeah yeah let's go outside the house i just want to run i want to feel the spray come out maybe do one or two reps but literally in an hour you know to use a fire extinguisher and you understand everything right let me ask you this and people listening to this who maybe you don't even never even thought about a fire extinguisher just learned a bunch of shit just listening to that five <laughs> yep minutes. yep did that make you safer that conversation absolutely yes, right 
And it gives you the skill and ability to make a decision to maybe save your family and your property. I'll say that one more time. Save your family and your property. Does that sound like self-defense? That's, yeah. yeah. But you don't have a black belt. And I gave you some ideas on how to save your family, mm -hmm. a life, a life, or maybe even your property. Now, you don't need to go to get a black belt and fire extinguisher. <laughs> You're good to go. So the metaphor here is when I'm teaching self-defense, I'm teaching this is what to look out for. This is your intuition, your body's alarm system that's going to go off. Every victim of violence who lived to tell right. the tale said they had a bad feeling before the attack. Nobody teaches that in self-defense class. Mm -mm. Nobody teaches that in martial arts. Mm -mm. That's, that's unique to, that's our nomenclature. We brought it to the industry after me studying decades of violence, interviewing people. Wow. So then we created, through analyzing stuff, like what was common? If I looked at uh, the frequency of certain types of attack, and then the volume of moves that that saved the day, I didn't find jabs and side kicks to the knees and back kicks, arm bars, triangle chokes, death touch, mm -hmm. dim mock. What, <laughs> what I found was indignation, mm. a special type of anger, a how dare you. I found that when people fought back, they had to overcome the surprise. Mm. They had to manage their fear. And they had to get angry, but a special type of anger called indignation. How dare you do this to me? How dare you do this to my child? How dare you? And that's how I, I built my system. I reverse engineered it. And so listen, using my, my fire extinguisher metaphor, I said, there are a lot of people on the planet Earth who don't want to go roll right. in a jiu-jitsu place for years or don't want to go study karate like you did for mm -hmm. 10 years. Nope. Who don't want to join a Thai gym or study Krav Maga. They want to go to work and get paid an honest day's wage for an honest day's work or build their own business. or And they want to be able to go to the park or go for a walk or go downtown and not worry about some fucking peaceful protest erupting and going sideways. And so the average person isn't interested in getting a black belt. Mm -hmm. And so I created Be Your Own Bodyguard decades ago, not some quick fix thing, based on decades of research. And it was basically... If you said you've got a day to train my wife or my daughter or my son, what would you teach them? That's what this course is. Mm -hmm. And it's built with the same efficiency as like a CPR first aid course. Imagine this. <laughs> this, this is what angered me so much online. Mm -hmm. Because a bunch of black belts and experienced martial artists began hating on the course without ever doing it. Yeah. Some very famous people yeah. on it. And what that's tantamount to online is bullying. So here are people who allegedly are teaching people to be confident and self-aware, mm -hmm. bullying us online. Now, follow, follow the logic here. My firefighter analogy. Just because you, you, you know how to use a fire extinguisher doesn't make you a firefighter. Right. When you graduate a four-hour CPR course first aid course you're not a fucking paramedic right you're not a doctor could you imagine <laughs> if you ask a firefighter or paramedic who teaches 
first aid to citizens. How long is their course? They'll say four hours, six hours. Mm -hmm. If you said to them at the end of that course, does that person have the skills to save a life? They're going to say, fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine a doctor going online, <laughs> mocking a four hour uh, first aid class? You right. guys are a joke. I studied medicine yeah. for seven years. You guys are a joke. What yeah. a scam. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm going with? Like, I'm yeah. like, I was embarrassed that these grown men and women mm -hmm. were mocking the course, yep. not realizing what it was. And it wasn't even my ego that day. I built this. I didn't give a shit. Here's what it was. <laughs> I knew that, let's say you were one of those 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 bullies online, Gene, mm -hmm. who went, this is shit. Now, I know you were defending me, but let's see, this is bullshit. You can't. Here's what, what happens at the, with the unconscious mind. The, the narrative that you buy off on when you study any martial art is your art's the right art. Otherwise, you'd be studying a different art. Right. Jiu-Jitsu thinks they got the answer for everything. Taekwondo thinks they have the answer for everything. Yep. MMA has the answer for it. everyone who gets who drinks the Kool-Aid, as the expression goes, goes, yep. no, we got this is what we would do. This is what we would do. I get it. But here's the thing. This is what bothered me the most. If your sister who doesn't want to be a martial artist or get a black belt, just wants to feel a little bit safer. Right. She's going on a road trip. She's going away to college. She doesn't like, like some of the stuff that's happened in the neighborhood. I want to improve my situational awareness. I want to learn more about fear management. God forbid something happens. How do I stun and run and get the fuck out of there? Mm -hmm. I just want to get home. And then she sees an ad for Tony Blower's Be Your Own Bodyguard. Gets safer in a day. And then she turns that to you and you're one of the bullies who thinks, who's confused a one-day course yep. with learning a martial art. And this is the accidental confusion in the bully who doesn't have the self-awareness to apply the critical thinking, which would be, before I say anything, let me research who this guy is and what's in this program. Because if you ask me, a lifelong martial artist, Tony Blower, can you learn taekwondo in a day i'm gonna go fuck no no right can you jujitsu in a day hell no what about boxing in a day no mma in a day no krav maga in a day no can you learn to defend yourself in a day i would go define self-defense if that means learning how to detect what bad guys are looking for yes learning how to read your intuition and instincts and then act on them yes learning some of the key language to de-escalate yes learning strategic tips on how to manage your fear yes yep learning how to uh, use an improvised weapon to create a, a distraction and and get the hell out of there stun and run yes learning how to weaponize the startle flinch meaning how when you flinch how to take that and turn that into a quarter extremity explosive movement yes so yes 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 to all a lot of that. stuff and and Listen, that's what bothered me the most. That's mm -hmm. a long answer. But what bothered me the most was that their, the ignorance and bullying online actually made the world less safe. Yep, I agree. It's not right. Yeah. So. It's not fair. Well, I want to end this on a more, I didn't mean to take it down a, not such a positive thing, but I love your answer because it's not just, uh, you know, fuck those guys. It's, I mean, 
it's not cool. Like you, you may have turned some people off, and that's something that we can't have. Well, but but here's but here's the here's the here's the real answer, and hopefully maybe people listen to this and share this, or maybe somebody who was on the fence about this is bullshit goes, oh, this guy isn't bullshit, and the system isn't bullshit, and I just got. I'm uncomfortable now, so now I'm going to do some research. Listen, mm -hmm. we have hundreds of affiliates all over the world who teach my system, but they also are part of a, a Krav Maga chain. Oh, yeah. Kickboxing chain or part of a Taekwondo chain or whatever. So they still have their traditional stuff, but they realize that the complex motor skill part of their training, almost like this is a hammer, this is a saw, this is your toolbox. Now they're training with me. And they're bringing that back to their students. Their students are getting mm -hmm. safer because now they're getting the the neuroscience of fear, and they're starting to integrate realistic, yep. and relevant scenarios. So everyone's getting safer. But but the the importance of the it was a good question. The importance of the answer is is to look at the irony of a, a, a supposed martial artist bullying another person online because mm -hmm. they're teaching self defense. Now listen, there's a lot of crap online too. Well, yeah. And that, yeah, that stuff should be called out. Yeah, because that's, right. that's on the other side. That's dangerous right. too. But the message there is: before you jump on the bandwagon and and start fake news, cancel this and all that bullshit, do your research. Yeah, improve your self awareness, and then make an educated. If you decide to engage, make an an educated opinion. But your sister and your mother and your and your 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 buddy who wasn't interested in martial arts the way you are is less safe when you go, Oh, that's bullshit. That guy's right. a scam. Do the research. Yeah. Our testimonials are real. That's one thing on my website. If anyone wants to research, they go to my website and look at the testimonials. You know, these are real people. You could look them up and communicate. I mean, there are, that's cool. there's some crazy shit on there. <laughs> uh, like from real fighters and real martial artists and real coaches about their experience with us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, man, I think uh, I think what you've done is you've made people uncomfortable because you're exposing that blind spot. You're exposing. I mean, as a martial artist, you're you're always asking that question like, could I really do this shit? You know, you're exposing that. And, and I don't think people like it. It feels it feels uncomfortable. All right. So go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, but, but but exploring that makes you safer. That's right. It, it makes you a better martial artist. Growth mindset. Yeah. So a couple of quotes. I want to. I always end with a couple of uh, like sort of deconstructing a couple of your quotes. And you have a ton of them, but these are some of the some of my favorite ones you have. Doubt creates hesitation. Hesitation creates procrastination. Unchecked, that becomes worry or worse. What were you thinking when you said that or wrote that? I mean, that that's out of our no fear uh, program. Mm -hmm. That that it was just me without using pedantic again an obnoxious word hmm. used used deliberately uh here because a lot of times when you get any type of motivational therapy if you will it it's got a lot of psychobabble in it where you're going well what the fuck are they talking about here right so i wanted to create something really simple that you know if a stimulus gets introduced too quickly Meaning something happens in your life, could be violence, could be health, could be financial, could be relationship. And you go, oh, shit. And you hold your breath and there's a micro flinch and you start thinking about it. That movie in your mind 
starts to play. So the movie in your mind is now consuming time. Time is the only resource you can regenerate. So like that's very flowery and elegant and it makes sense. But I said, here's what we want to remember. That fear spike creates doubt. Doubt creates hesitation. Hesitation creates procrastination. Now you're consuming time. Unchecked, that, that worrying about a future event that hasn't even happened can become non-clinical or clinical anxiety. So that was just like, like me trying to create a mm. simple kind of domino effect. So people went, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I need, if I'm going to get out of the fear loop, I need to kind of like look, look intelligently at this fear spike. And why did I have a moment of doubt here? Mm. And, and, and I got to be careful about how much time I spend thinking about the fear versus thinking about the lesson. You got one more. Uh, that I liked a lot. I've actually sent this to a couple of people. Losers are people who are afraid of losing. Yeah, that's not mine. That's one I shared. It's a meme. Yeah. Uh, uh, Why'd you share that? Uh, if you read the post, I think I wrote, probably wrote something quite quite detailed uh, below it. But, you know, I remember reading Chuck Norris's autobiography back in the 90s, I think it came out maybe early 2000s. And he had one chapter where he said, I've never lost a fight, even though my record shows a bunch of losses on it. Mm. And he went on to explain how anytime he lost, he went back and he looked at why he lost and then he built himself up. So if it was a tactical thing, he was like, oh, I got hit with that. That, that became kind of what you were talking about. That's the blind spot. Well, how do you fix your blind, your blind spot? Will you improve your situational awareness? And that can't start without somebody going, did you know you have a blind spot? Like nobody knowingly has a blind spot. <laughs> right? We don't go, we don't go like, what would be really good is if I kept a blind spot right Yeah, here. So, that'd be so awesome. I get ambushed, ambushed in business because there's a blind spot, <laughs> right? Or in, in worse, a, a violent encounter. Right. Um, so I just thought, I, 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 I'm a big fan of, I got like lots of maxims, like you said. I'm a big fan of, of saying things that are, are, have some sort of like poetic, you know, cadence to it because then they're easier to remember. Mm -hmm. And if it's easy to remember, maybe they're more memorable. And, uh, and um, so, you know, you know, the, that the, the loser thing was this idea of, I think, I think the most important part of what I, said in my post after was think back to the times you looked at something as a loss and then think about how you grew from that and now are, are you a better human are you are you a better businessman are you a safer father mother or or friend or whatever mm -hmm. because you fucked this up and and you lost that friend and you went, I'll never do that again. I lied. I betrayed or whatever the hell it is. You know, the, the loss in life is usually, um, mm -hmm. you, you, if it impacted you, it was, it was unintentional accidental at a, at a, at a, at a, at a certain level where you went, Oh fuck. You know, I didn't think tailgating and speeding was dangerous. That's <laughs> what I was doing. Like we know that, right. And yeah. then we get in a car accident. We all yep. text and drive, right? Yep. But how many people are dead because they did that? That's right. right. 
right? How many people had an accident where somebody was injured or because it, and, and so you look at that, you go, yeah, I don't text and drive anymore because mm -hmm. of, so the, the message was, what have you learned from your losses? I think and, uh, it's probably not him, but I think it's Bert Soren. I'm going to credit him with it. So he calls it tuition. He doesn't call it losing, he calls it tuition. And I like, I like the reframing like of that. that. Yeah. Because yeah. you either win or you learn, right? So you either, you either win or you paid some tuition. Right. <laughs> Hopefully not with your life when you're texting, driving, but you know. Right. Well, that's, uh, we're right about an hour where we said, and, and folks, you're listening to this. Who would have thought that a huge component of self-defense starts with self-awareness? That's amazing. It's everything, man. Yeah, that's awesome. If have, if, listen, here's a here, Louis. We can wrap on another one of my maxims: no awareness, no chance. Mm. Right? Like, like if you're standing there going, you know, uh, this is my counter for an uppercut, this is my counter for a sucker punch, and this is my counter for a knife, this is my counter for a gun, and this is my and while you're while you're telling everyone your counter is somebody sucker punches you from the <laughs> counter, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter what you think you know. If you don't know that you're about to step on the X and the X being that, that kill mm -hmm. zone, if you don't know, right, every, everybody who's had something catastrophic happen in their life was surprised by it. That's what right. made it catastrophic. Right. You know, if, if you lost everything immediately in the pandemic, it was because you had no adaptive courage and resiliency mm -hmm. and it was catastrophic, you know, and a lot of people did. Mm -hmm. It's horrible. It's been a very weird fucking year, year and a half. <laughs> yep. Um, but, you know, not, not joking about it because it, 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 it's done more damage the whole lockdown than, 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 than the COVID. So some people will argue with that, but, I'd agree with you. We don't know what the mental health, depression, suicide numbers are, uh, uh, domestic abuse. We may never know. Uh, but again, it's that, it's that self-awareness of, wait a minute, I'm in the fear loop right now. I got to get out of the fear loop. Uh, there's, have you read my ebook, Making Friends with Fear? I, I downloaded it last week. Yep. Yes, yeah. sir. It's yeah, very good. Sure. I'm going to link it up so these people, yeah, these people can get it. Yeah, send them the link to the to the website. Yeah. that's the, you know a lot of people can't train with me live, right? Um, which is why I love to do these podcasts and 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 kind of introduce new audiences to these ideas in in the hopes that that, that I inspire somebody to look at stuff because I really believe if you change your relationship with fear, you can change your mind, and if you can change your mind, you can change your life.